All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Glove. Thanks for joining us here. It's a beautiful day in Michigan, Tim. How's it going in North Carolina? It's a beautiful day here, too. Probably a little warmer, though. It's 50 here. It's sunny. November 2nd. I can't complain. The snow is not flying. It's it's very, very nice. It was so nice this morning. I do a little holy hour at my church every Wednesday morning. I was driving in. Gorgeous, just wearing a sweatshirt. Usually I'm bundled up this time of year. Coming around the last turn to hit the church. What do I see in the middle of the road? Three bears, Tim. Can you believe that? Three black bears, a mom and two babies just kind of hanging out in the middle of the road. I startle them. The babies go running for a nearby tree, just right up, crazy fast. Kind of one of the neatest, neatest things I've seen in a long time. Mama Bear just kind of saunters over and just stands guard at the bottom of the tree. And I watched them for a little bit. And then I say, let's move on. It was kind of cool. Saw, saw three. You're not going to see that in North Carolina. That's a Northern Michigan type sighting. We'll, we'll get that everywhere. Uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I've never seen bears in the wild. I've always wanted to. So I don't Even know if I they're wild. I'm not, I don't, I, I can't say if they're wild. What do you mean? That, what do you mean? Someone could have owned them. They got loose. I don't know. <laughs> but no, it was neat seeing them. It was kind of cool. I, I've heard about them. I've seen them. I saw a bear a few years back, just, you know, 200, 300 yards away. This was up close. I could have hit them with my car if I didn't stop, first of all. But then I could have got out of my car and probably chased after them and grabbed one of the babies. Hindsight, I probably should have done that. Grabbed one of the babies. That would have been fun. Kids would have loved it. Well, you would have taken someone's pet away, though, apparently. Okay. Well, could have been my pet. Speaking of being hit by cars, I don't know what it is, but again, down here, not me, but I was walking the dog last, downtown last night, and this is a pet peeve of mine. When people stop at a red light or a stop sign in the crosswalk, you know what I mean? Like, stop before the crosswalk, especially in a busy, bustling metropolis like that. Well, Tim, like, if there's you're a lot of factors roads, that goes into that. There's a lot of there's a lot of circumstances. Don't defend, I, don't defend bad driving. Sometimes you're trying to make that light, and then at the last minute, you go, I can't make it, and you got to slam on the brakes. 
This was a red light. She did not. It was not even close. And this girl on a scooter is like stepping into the crosswalk. And this car just pulls forward very slowly and just bumps her. And the girl just falls over. No and, way. And I see it happening like across the intersection. And she like yelled something. Then she just scooted away. I think she was embarrassed that she got hit by a car. I would, if it was me, it would have been a different story. But And you yeah. got triggered, right? Oh, uh, yes. I don't know. What is it down here about these drivers? When I, I don't know when if I, it's the drivers. I think it's the people. Get out of the way. When I I don't know if this is true, but when I visited Charlotte years ago, the Uber driver told me that it was like the number one county or city in the entire country for car accidents, like per no capita way. or something. And I was like, and then I, so far, I, confirmation bias, but it seems pretty true. I can conf- I don't think I've ever in my life. No, I should say once I saw someone get hit on their bike really bad one time. But other than that one time, I've never seen someone get hit by a car. And you've seen it twice happening to you once in the last two months. Two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks. Crazy. That doesn't that's not normal. It's not normal for a car to hit somebody. Oh man, when I was a in high school, I thought the guy died. He was riding at 10 speed. The biker's fault in the middle of the night, riding right, and he was in like the middle lane. And a car, a car just blew him up. Bike went flying. He went flying. I don't know how he survived, but he, yeah, not smart. If you're on a bike, just especially at night, get off the road. What are you doing? If you're in North Carolina, just stay on the sidewalk. What do you need to cross the street for? If you're in North Carolina, just leave. Just get out. Just get a just get a car. What's the matter with you guys? It's not. It's not a good idea to just be a pedestrian anywhere in North Carolina because you're going to get ran over or hit by an aggressive scooter guy. That's what you got, right? Yeah, yeah, it's been a tough. <laughs> oh man, yes. I think they just smell your weakness and they just exploit it. I have nothing to say to that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get to some hockey news. One of my former teams, Tim, having a slow start to the season, rightfully so. You know they 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 were a good team, the San Jose Sharks. They've had some glimmers of hope this season but all in all it's been a slow start for them they're in the bottom of the western conference they're scuttling along at three eight and one the only team worse than them right now is the vancouver canucks because the canucks are just an absolute everybody knows what the canucks but there is a little sign of life with the san jose sharks eric carlson brought in what was he brought in four years ago tim now something like that yeah the Sharks yeah. gave up quite a haul to get him. He was the last piece for their playoff run. He was the guy who was going to deliver a Stanley Cup. Didn't work. Never worked. We had Chris Pronger on the show a few months back. I asked him straight up, why is Burns Carlson not working? Why is this little experiment just going bad? And he said, they're selfish players, very similar type players. It's not going to work. Then he went into just tell about how he and Niedermeyer worked so well. They were different type players. They complimented each other. Carlson and Burns on the ice together is like two cooks in the kitchen. Doesn't work. You can't have two guys trying to control everything. You need one guy to control, one guy to supplement him, and be a sous chef. Give him whatever he needs to succeed. You can't have two guys trying to do the same thing always at the same time. We end up bumping heads. It, it never works. Lo and behold, Burnsy leaves, gets traded, go to the goes to the Carolina Hurricanes this offseason. Eric Carlson all of a sudden is playing a lot better, Tim. Got a hat trick last game. 
I had no idea. I thought he would have gotten 10, 15 hat tricks at this point in his career in Ottawa. He was, he was a forward pretty much. This was his first career hat trick. Were you, first of all, were you amazed when you heard that, that this guy's never scored three goals before? I was going to say the same thing. He's had seasons where he's had 80 plus points, 60s, 70s, like all those years. And he was a goal scorer. And he was not like a, he had, I mean, looking at it now, 19 goals, 20 goals, 21 goals, 16, 17. So yeah, it's crazy that he's never had one before. And now fast forward to his fourth year in San Jose. He's got 15 points in 12 games. He's got nine goals, six of six. He's sixth in points, not just in defensemen. Total in the NHL, second in goals. The guy is playing fantastic. He's healthy. He's got some energy. But is the most important thing, the reason he's having success is because Bernsey's not there? And he he finally feels like he has control of this defense where he doesn't have to worry about, if I don't produce in the power play, Bernsey's going to take my spot. Am I the first D-man? Am I out? Like, is, is that competition gone and he can kind of just relax and play his game? What's the biggest reason why he's having all the success, Tim? Well, that's probably it. I mean, even even for a player of his caliber, to have just that question mark, like you said, like if I mess up, am I, not, am I in PP2? Or am I losing minutes? Or am I not getting top pairing and all that stuff? And and there's a little bit of ego with a player of that caliber too. And I don't think it's a bad thing. But when you're that good and you carry the team on your back like you did a certain way for the Senators for years, there's the expectation and there's the, the sense of pride that comes with being that sort of player. And when you're not that sort of a player – you you almost lose a little bit of your identity, maybe. So um, I think that's part, certainly part of it. But I don't want to underrate the the health aspect of it too. Where we talked a little bit about it in the off season, you know, he's just has had had a few health issues over the years, and maybe hasn't felt quite like himself. And and you know, all the the buzz this summer was how good he looked, how good he felt, and clearly it's working because, like he said, he's putting up more points than anybody right now. No, he's playing great. He's playing confident. He's skating with a lot of just drive. He's the guy that I remember watching and playing against when I was growing up. So good for Eric Carlson. My my prediction, Tim. He was one of my predictions at the beginning of the year. A lot of people laughed at me. I got, I got the same type of thing from the Ovechkin prediction I, I did a few years back when I said Ovi wasn't going to score 30. I said Eric Carlson is going to get 50 points this year. People scoffed. They laughed. He said, They said, John, this guy's 32 years old. He's he's been injured every single year for the last four years. He hasn't topped fifty points since two thousand seventeen and eighteen when he was with the Ottawa Senators. John, what are you doing, you idiot? What's the matter with you? Give your head a shake. You've been hitting the head too many times. You're a goon. You don't know anything about hockey. What's the matter with you, you dummy? <gasps> What's happening now? Oh my goodness! He's got nine and six, fifteen points in twelve games. He's looking like a different man. My prediction was he was only going to get 50 points, Tim. That's it. Does he get 50? What do you think? Feels low now, doesn't it? Feels low. He might get 100. He might <laughs> he might get 100 for Pete's sake. The way he's flying right now. He's, 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 he's on track. That's all I want. I just, just give him a chance. Now, this begs a bigger question. He's playing well. There's teams, when you look around the league, Defense is at a premium. All of a sudden, does Eric Carlson become a trade asset where teams are knocking on the Sharks' door saying, hey, is this guy available? Where this time last year, you couldn't give this guy away. There's no way a team was going to take on Eric Carlson at 32 years old when he's got five years left on an $11.5 million contract. That would be absurd. 
does this change things with Eric Carlson when the trade deadline rolls around and teams are in need of a high-end defenseman when he's got fast forward to the deadline Eric Carlson has 60 points he's in the conversation for a Norris trophy and you're a Stanley Cup contender and you would love to have that guy on your decor give up a first rounder maybe the Sharks eat some of that money for the next few years do you see a deal being made for Eric Carlson Tim I think it certainly has to be part of the conversation when you're putting up that kind of numbers and the Sharks would love to get rid of that contract even if it means eating some of it and you know, 11 and a half is tough, but if you're bringing in, you know, say they eat 50% and you're bringing in an elite top 10 defenseman for 6 million bucks and you've got the cap room to make it do it, that's that's a big addition to your roster. The, the term is what worries me, though. Who's going to want to take on four more years after this season when he's 36, 37 years old? And I don't know. Does a player of that type of speed and that type of frame, does, does a player like that age well? When you, when you if you're, If your game is speed and skill – and then you start getting slower. How does that translate when you're 35 years old? Well, yeah, you're not as fast. So if, you, if your <laughs> game is elusive and, you know, avoiding checks and getting up in the rush and being that fourth option for the forwards to hit, you're not as effective. So, yeah, he will slow down. He has slowed down, but maybe missing those games the last three or four years has helped his longevity a little bit. He has He's definitely not been playing playoff hockey, so he hasn't been logging any of those hard minutes you see in the playoffs where you're playing through injuries. You're really racking up the, the legs and longevity is just going out the window because you're playing when you shouldn't be playing. So I, I don't see him being moved. I, I think the contract is too much. $11.5 million for a guy who's 32 years old. It's too much. Unless the Sharks eat a hefty portion of his salary, that's the only way I see him being moved. I don't I don't think a team would give up a first rounder for Carlson. I don't think a team gives up a second rounder. He's just there's just too much term there. That's a good point. I, okay, so maybe this is a still stupid question, but so you got two defensemen, both 30 years old. They both played every game over the last three seasons, but one of them has played 20 playoff games. The other has played zero. Is that a pretty big difference in terms of wear and tear and just the mileage on your body and your longevity? Or is it not? Does it depend on the situation? Oh, no, absolutely. And you see defensemen along the way. Like a, a prime example would be a Brent Seabrook, a guy who played through injuries year after year with the Hawks, and he should – if he's on a bad team, Brent Seabrook is still playing hockey. But because he was with the Hawks, he went to three cups, got three rings, playing countless overtime games, game sixes, game sevens, like just putting his body through the ringer in the playoffs. Other guys don't have to do that. You know, it's just, it's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing. I think of a Ryan McDonough now. He's, how old's McDonough? He, he can't 34. be over 33, 34, but hockey years, it seems like he's 40. And it's just the playoffs does it wears you out. You, you're just every other night doing anything you can to win the game, playing with injuries, playing through just anything. These guys are absolute just warriors. So yeah, it, it does play a factor into it. But then you you know on the other the other side of the page, people love winners. So you you can't put a price tag on what it means to be on a winning team to have that the the intangibles. I don't know what it is. But the guy's a winner. I got to have that on my team. So you get the good and bad that go along with it. He's 33, Ryan McDonough. And I just had a weird moment because I realized it's only a year older than me now. And man, am I getting old. He's born in 89. And how young is Ryan McDonough? He's 33, but it feels like he's been playing forever. He's played 
how many playoff games? You probably have it right there because with the Rangers, he was one of their key parts on the back end. Then he goes from them to Tampa Bay, who's just been making runs the last three years. Now he's on Nashville. And Nashville, I don't know if he'll make the playoffs this year, but we had him on the show. He said he's made the playoffs every single year of his career, right? He's got to be top five of current players, playoff games played. Yeah, and he's – yeah, he is. I think he was – he's going to be the number one when he retires if he keeps going. And he's 33, retiring in the next two years, three years with 60 sheets in the bank. Not bad. How many playoff games has he played? Do you have it right there? No. no. Come on, Tim. Pull up his playoff games because I want to know. I bet you it's added an extra season and a half on his life. 82 games in a season. The guy's been in the playoffs for the last 10, 15 years. I guarantee you he has over 82, probably over, over 162 games played in the playoffs just because he's he's been there every single year ever since he's entered the entered the league. But while Tim looks that up. 185. 185 games. That's insane. We talked about this when we interviewed him. Well, I you think, think my memory is that good? I can just pull from an interview we did. A no, month no, no. And but I'm saying uh, he's going to end up with the record. I think. I think you're right. I think the record is like coffee or something. Has a reference. It's it's another defenseman if I if I remember correctly. But anyways, yeah, that's an extra two and a half years, and that's not even taking into account how hard playoff games are and how often you're playing with injuries, and that's after an 82 game schedule. So your body's already worn out and tired and wants a break. And then you tack on an extra 30 games. Then your recovery time is short and you just turn around right back into another season. It wears on you. I don't think GMs think about that stuff, but they should because that's a lot of hockey we played. All right. Bruins again last night, Tim. My <laughs> word. They are, they are honestly a very enjoyable team to watch. Frustrating at times. They should be. They have no business winning last night's game. None whatsoever. The Penguins looked like they were rolling. You probably watched the whole game. Give us a synopsis, a brief one. We're not a Boston Bruins podcast. I did. I did. Opening shift, Sidney Crosby scores on his first shift. And it's like, I mean, it was in Penguin. It was in Pittsburgh. So, like, they were rolling. But just you could see the air just sucked out of the Bruins team right away. And the broadcasters even talked about that. Montgomery said that yesterday morning's, like, morning skate was the worst of the entire year. And so they look shaky from the, from the whole day, and then they get scored on right away, and you think, okay, this isn't going to be our game. Back and forth hockey, some goals get added. All of a sudden, it's 5-2. or two. Allmark let up a couple of softies in a row. He gets pulled early in the third, and Swayman comes in. And so Bruins score. It got called back for goalie interference, and rightfully so. Bergeron did kind of collide with Jari there. And so it's still 5-2, or two, a lot of emotions running high. Then Swayman gets hurt with a collision with Bergeron. He's down. Allmark's coming back in the game. And now he's let up all five goals. Swayman didn't let in any in his like 10 or 15 minutes of play. And then the Bruins come back. And then they come back again. And then they come back. With a minute and 10 seconds left in the third, Taylor Hall ties it up. And it's going to overtime. And they came back from a 5-2 to deficit. Crazy overtime. A lot of breakaways. Malkin got stuffed in the breakaway. We had, I think, Nosek hit the post on a two-on-one. Uh, huge saves from Allmark. And then Hampus Lindholm was the story of the game. If this, if this couldn't get any better. He goes end-to-end rush with a defenseman tailing him. Like, beautiful, beautiful rush. And he goes in and he snipes it on glove high. Surprise, surprise. On Tristan Jari. He ends the night with four points. Goal and three assists. And it was a total like eye-opening game for me on terms of in terms of how good Hampus Lindholm can be. 
to talk about him being a legit number one defenseman in this league. The passing, the skating, the vision, that shot was super elusive. It wasn't that heavy, but he, he kind of played it well. I think he's very, very good. And the Bruins are now 9-1, and one, and they had no business winning that game. They kept chipping away at that lead, um, scoring in the power play. Marshawn scored yet again, and life was good. It was a great, great game. So does this justify then the trade from the the Anaheim Ducks where they gave up what was it a first rounder John Moore um, a prospect and a couple second round draft picks does this justify that trade fully Yes oh yeah oh yeah and they're still without arguably their best player Charlie McAvoy so this is this is going to be something special to watch I'm about to put all my bet US money on them winning the cup and just wait and talk about it till June. Well, it's funny how the start of the season has worked out where the Bruins, they they didn't have high expectations. And I, gosh, I don't want to always compare them. Well, I'll do it to the Oilers where there are games in the season and they're pivotal games where when you look back after the season, you go, man, that really, that was a big game. This will be a big game for the Bruins. You're down five to two. You have no business winning this game whatsoever. Your goalie is coming back in net who gave up the first five goals. He's not feeling good. And then you get 5-3, 5-4, 5-5. These are the games when it comes to January, February, March that you pull from. When you play these Penguins again, when you go into Carolina, when you play the higher-end teams and you're down a couple goals, you have these experiences where you've already come back. You've already done this. So it's nothing new. And you have that muscle memory. It's like, we can win. I've been on teams that are really bad. And when you go into a tight situation, whether it's the third period, you're tied, you're down a goal going into the last couple of minutes, and you don't have that confidence because you haven't done it before. In contrast, I've been on teams that have been really good. The Rangers, we went to the Eastern Conference Finals. The Blackhawks, when we were rolling, we were really good. I've been on good teams where you get down a goal, you get down two goals, and you're like, you know what, we're fine. You go into the locker room after the first period, you're down by two, three. No one's panicking. We're good. We can we can come back. We've done it before. And then lo and behold, you get one, you get two, you get three, because you don't get those bad feelings. The Bruins have good feelings, and this will benefit them in two months and three months when the games really start to count. I can't say the same for the Oilers. I can't say the same for the Leafs. Those teams, when it comes down to brass tacks, when you really got to win, and you go into the third period and you're down a goal, you're going, oh, man, we're done. We haven't done this before. We've been garbage in these situations all season long. So these are the types of games that good teams, when it comes to the end of the end of the year in March and April, they can pull from these scenarios and say, oh, we came back from Pittsburgh. We were down by three. We came back and we won in overtime. It's no problem. We got this, fellas. We know how to do this. So these are this might be a throwaway game. It's game number 10, whatever. We we could have easily packed in the bags and been 8-2, and two, still first place in the Eastern Conference. No, we buckled down. We won this game. Now we're 9-1, and one, and our confidence is insane right now. Our heads are swelling. As a hockey player, that's what you want to think when you go into the next game because you're not going to be winning every single period. There's going to be bad times when you're down by 2 or 3 or 4 and nothing's going your way. To be able to pull from this experience for the Bruins, is, it's huge. It's absolutely monumental. And like I said, on the other side of the page, if you're the Penguins, the next time you play a team like the Bruins or you're playing Florida, you're playing Tampa Bay, and you go into the third period, you're up four to one, three three to one, you go, gosh, uh, you give up that first one, you go, here we go again. That's what they're going to think. Here we go again. We just lost to the Bruins. We gave up a huge lead in the third period. It's going to happen again. That's what's going to happen in Tristan Yari's head. Not again. Why? Instead of saying, oh, you know, we're fine. 
we'll, we'll figure this out. So it's, I don't know. I think of those sorts of things. It's a big deal. It really is. These are two teams that are going to be battling for a playoff position down to the wire near the end of the season. And they will pull from these. I know they've been in the league for 10, 15 years, but every year is new. I remember walking into Johnny Taves one time in Chicago. We went for the conference, Tim, or the convention, excuse me. You were there. I ran into Johnny and he's, I'm like, so what do you think of the year? How's it going to go? He's like, uh, and you could tell he was already just not looking forward to it based on last year, based on the year before things build. And he was just going into a season where they hadn't even dropped the puck. So it's, it's those experiences where you just, your expectations, I guess. So now maybe the Penguins, the next time they're up by a couple goals, they're going to expect to lose if they give up one. Whereas a good team, like, ah, we can be down. doesn't matter. That's why the Oilers go down by three, four goals. They're never out of it. Because they know they can come back and score five and win the game. So, no. But good for Hampus Lindholm. Good for the Bruins. They're good. They, they are. They're getting better by the day, Tim. You must be just ecstatic. It's a lot of fun. One concern is is Swayman. Obviously, he goes down. He gets hurt. We don't know. He couldn't put any pressure on. I think his right leg. And so the Bruins have the day off today. They're not scheduled to speak until tomorrow at the earliest. We'll have to wait for an update. But that would not be good because Keith Kincaid got called up from Providence. He's not. He's not a bad backup to have, but. Hopefully, Swayman doesn't miss too much time. Tuca. Huh. He's playing tennis right now. Tuca and Zidano. That's what they need. Timmy. 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 Timmy Timmy Chuck Kovacu and Andrew Ferentz. That's all we need. Man, you would just be living life. All right. When I'm in Boston, you know what I love to eat? What? Clam chowder. Chowder, lobster. You know where I, I can't eat lobster, Tim. I'm allergic to shellfish. But clam chowder, I can eat because they're crustaceans. Most people think it's all grouped in, but no, I'm allergic to shrimp, crab, lobster, which are crustate, right? Oh, no, clams are mollusks. So I can eat mollusks. I okay. can't eat crustaceans. Just for everybody okay. out there, clarification. <laughs> so when I'm in Boston, I use DoorDash and I get clam chowder. From anywhere, really, because it's always good. And I'm in my hotel room, and I don't want to leave because every time I leave Boston, I get spit on by the fans because they hate me there. Because one time I hit Louis Erickson when he had his head down, everybody thought it was dirty. So random. So when I'm there, I use DoorDash and I use my promo code GlovesDDUS and I get 25% off. I get free delivery. I get my clam chowder with my little oyster crackers. They bring me a spoon. It's delicious. And I don't have to leave my room because DoorDash brings it right up to my hotel. And they're so fast. The clam chowder is still steaming. I can smell it when they hit the elevator. That's that's how good fresh it is. And I use DoorDash. You should use it too. Use our promo code GlovesDDUS. Get 25% off. You get free delivery. It's fantastic. If you're in Canada, you can use my promo code too. It's just GlovesDD. It's a good deal, everybody. I say it every stinking show. It's because it's the best deal on earth. I don't know any other show, any other promotion that has as Good of a deal as we do here on Dropping the Gloves. So check it out. Take advantage of it. DoorDash is a good company. Get yourself some chowder in Boston. I used to love, I do love Boston. People there hate me. Absolutely hate me. And I'm not even over-exaggerating. They actively don't like me there in Boston, where I'll walk down the street. Maybe not anymore. It's been a few years since I've been to Boston. But in the league, when I was playing, vitriol, walking down the streets, north end. I'd, I'd go out, grab some pasta, grab dinner. People hate, they hate me. Was that the city that you got recognized the most besides cities that you played for? Uh, well, the Canadian cities, you, you mm-hmm. go anywhere, you get recognized. But in the States, yes. 
and it was always a bad a bad way we used to go to this they had a good pastry shop there it's one of the famous ones mike's pastries mike's pastries mike's the guy modern, likes, yeah he loves hockey and so we would go there and i would go there because i would always pick up my wife some pastries some cannolis and take them home get some bonus points he'd have you in the back he'd pull out the grappa he'd pull out the booze i'd sit back there and have it was great hours tim mike's pastries who would have known back of a pastry shop you go up get a, have a couple have a couple more eat some cannolis it, it was it was a great time so go to mike's pastries if you're in boston it's a good little spot it's a big spot lineup is always around the block yep did you have to wait in line what do you think come on tim <laughs> you think i'm waiting in line when i well like okay I, but do you have show, someone maybe? bringing you there or do you just like you just know that you can just walk right in and skip the line no matter even if you're by yourself well, you get introduced when you're young in the league. So my first few years, I probably went there with a veteran. You build a relationship. You go back. To, I, I played in the East Coast a long time. I played for the Sabres. I played for other teams. So we'd go to Boston quite a bit. And you build those relationships. And I just I, I got to know him. I got to know his family worked there. And you'd show up, kind of cut the line. Hey, guys. And I got come on back, Johnny. Do you think Mike or... listens to the podcast? So when I go home in a few weeks... He'll let me, he'll pour me some grappa in the back room. Yeah, he probably listens. I don't <laughs> think you're going to get anything. Have you gotten anything from the show? Any swag? Anybody recognize you in the airports and stuff? At, um, at the Detroit a couple of years ago, one of the listeners bought us both a beer. So that was, that happened. Tim. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, claim- I don't, don't treat me any did, different, but. Did you, you know. claim that on your taxes? <laughs> no. That's technically that's technically income. All right. Let's do some league roundup. There were some games last night. There's some teams that are turning the corner. After a slow start, they've righted the ship. Minnesota Wild. Second straight. Four of their last five. Starting to get the feel goodies in the locker room in Minnesota. Kaprizov's continuing to score. Mark Andre Fleury's playing a lot better. Man, the last two years he's done this. Where the last, the first three, four games, he's just played awful. Bad goals, goals against average is horrendous. Save percentage is just atrocious. All of a sudden he just finds his game and he's back to being the flower of old where he's the best goalie of all time. Are the Wild legit now? Do you believe in this group, Tim? Well, what do you mean by believe? Because we we knew they were better than this. They started off tough. They have that cap hit. Uh, with the dead, the dead cap space and they, you know, they lost some players and all of a sudden we think that they are just not a very good team anymore. And you've been critical of, of them to start the season, but we knew they weren't that bad. And so I think what we'll see from them in the end is what we've seen the last couple of years. They'll get a playoff spot. They'll win a couple of games. They'll probably lose in the first round, maybe the second round. And that's who they are as a team. So none of this surprises me. I think this is, this is par for the course for them. I'm glad they're getting back on track. Kaprizov and Zuccarello, the chemistry is still there. They got a combined 25 points right now. So the big thing, the knock on them is, I mean, I don't know how much you want to read into plus minus, but they're minus 12 combined. And so that's a problem. And a lot of power play points there. Um, but yeah, I think that this, this team that we've seen the last week or two has been pretty much who the wild are. So it doesn't surprise me. 10 games in, what would you rather have your special teams clicking or your five on five going? What would you rather have as a coach? Um, five on five. 
<laughs> I'm the opposite. That's funny. <laughs> I would rather have my special teams clicking and good. Just you can always fix five on five. It's hard to fix your power play penalty kill. Maybe yeah. I'm yeah, you're probably right. Well, I don't know. I, I just think about like No, I might be wrong. You play most of the game five on five, you gotta get that right. And then you work on the supplemental stuff. And then I'd rather I feel like also power it's easier to sustain stronger five on five play than it is to sustain special teams. So I'd rather not worry about that yet and, and rather get that tooled as the season goes on than the other way around. Agreed. I, you know what you you've changed my mind, I think. I think it's better to have a five on five. Uh, I agree. All right, another team, Tim, turn the corner, one three straight, New York Rangers. That highly contested Atlantic Metropolitan Division, Atlantic Division, Eastern Conference, they're back in second place behind the New Jersey Devils. They've won three in a row. They've finally got their game together. More importantly, MVP, Igor Shosturkin, Tim, 6-0. and The top guys are playing well. Well, Panarin, Zabinajad, they've combined for 29 points. If they can continue to get output from these guys, are they the team to beat in the Eastern Conference? Well, the Bruins, John. The Boston Bruins. I know. Um, I don't know. I, I Well, here's the part that kind of concerns me is like, I mean, Panera and his advantage are doing what they're doing. Shosturkin is the best goal in the league probably. Six and oh, he's if he's not one, he's number two. And so those guys, none of this is surprising. The stuff that we said at the beginning of the year – was that for them to do for them to be like a serious contender? They need that supplemental scoring, and they need the young kids to step up. And they've been just okay. Lafreniere's got two goals, three assists. That's not good enough in eleven games. Hapokako's got two goals, one assist. It's not good enough. And so I, I don't know how heavily they can rely on uh, those top guys in a long playoff run over the course of a long season. And if, what if you know, God forbid, someone goes down from an injury? Do you trust? Capocaco on, on the top line to fill in those spots? Probably not. So I think they, they need to add, they need more from the young kids. Yeah, I agree. And I, the longer this season goes, the longer their career goes. This is their fourth year. Like this. Yeah. It's, it's just not there. Maybe they're not those guys. And when you look at what they've done so far, yes, they have a good record. Yes, they've won three in a row. They're feast or famine as far as goals go. They're either two goals or under, or they score seven. They get seven against the Wild, then they go one, six versus Anaheim, then they go two, then they go one, then they go two, then they go zero, then they go six versus the Stars, but then back down to two, one. They need to figure it out. They need to get some consistency. You can't have games where you rip seven in, then you go three games where you only average two. You need to have some kind of consistency where you know your first line is getting one goal a game, your second line is getting one goal every other game, your third line is going to chip in a goal every third game, and your fourth line gets a goal every fourth game. That's what you're looking for. It's not happening. Right now it's just the first line scoring two goals a game, nothing else for the next three lines. They they have to get some depth like you mentioned. They have to figure things out. They're too good of a team for them not to to figure things out. I like the Rangers. They're my preseason, one of my horses. I'm not worried about them. But there is some cracks there. Lafreniere, Kako, you nailed it. I don't. Are they going to be in it at the end, Tim? Will they be a Final Four team in the Eastern Conference right now based on the first month of the season? I think probably, yeah, because it's just Durkin, because of their stars. Their defense is still pretty good. But there's plenty of reason to be nervous and critical about them. Are they better than the Bruins? Are they better than Carolina? 
Are they better than, I mean, I think they're better than the Devils and the Sabres and these teams that I think are overperforming. But even, even if it was like, say it's, it's Rangers number two versus seven Tampa Bay, you're probably taking Tampa Bay in that series, right? Uh, oh, man. I don't know. That's a tough one. And I, th- I think, in, man, they have Vasil- Vasilevsky has not been playing well this year, by the way. He's been no. struggling. So I think right now I'm taking Shesterkin. He's so – there's been some good goaltender starts. Linus Olmark has got a better start right now than Shesterkin. Ottinger's been playing well. Hart's been playing well. I don't know. I'm taking the Rangers. I, I really do like their team. I like their back end better than the Tampa Bay's back end. I, I, I like I like Miller. I like Fox. I like Ryan Lindgren. I, I like their back end better than Tampa's. I think losing McDonough – it's going to hurt them. It's going to hurt them a lot. All right. Another team that still hasn't figured it out. We talked about power play. What's more important? Five on five power play. Well, the Columbus Blue Jackets are trying to prove Tim right because they're saying we don't care about our power play. We just want to play five on five. In fact, we will make it so hard on our power play. We'll have a, a negative. We're dash two on the power play this season, meaning they've been on the power play for 25 opportunities. They haven't scored one power play goal, Tim. This has to be a new record in the NHL. To start a season, length of time, not scoring a power play goal, the Columbus Blue Jackets have played, what, 10 games now? Not one power play goal. In fact, they've given up two shorthanded goals. This is insane. You bring in Johnny Gaudreau to quarterback your power play. He is the guy. He is the facilitator. You have Patrick Laine. One of the best sharpshooters, snipers in the league. You put him in a spot, you give him five shots, he's going to score two of them. Apparently not. The Columbus Blue Jackets are struggling. Can you make anything of this? Is it? Do you think one would bounce in off someone's shin and, and hit the back of the net? It's insane. Well, that's going to happen, of course. It's not going to stay forever, but this is brutal. I can't remember anything like this. I saw a great comment about it. It's like, imagine... so. They've had 25 power play opportunities for a total of 53 minutes, and they haven't scored any goals, and they let in two, like you said. So imagine having starting the game on the power play and playing 53 straight minutes on the man advantage, and then by the time it's over, there are seven minutes left and you're down 2 nothing. Like, that is just – I know that's not a perfect analogy, but, like, come on, that's what we're seeing. So, yeah, this is brutal. I don't remember anything ever happening like this. No, they're a bad team. Man, do you think Johnny's just sitting in his room going, what am I doing here? You look at Calgary, how good they're doing right now. Stanley Cup contender, Calgary Flames. He wakes up. At least he's in the United States. So I get that. He just checks his watch, looks at the calendar. He's like, I've only been here a month and a half. I am here until 2029. <laughs> what am I doing? What am I, what am I doing here? I don't hey. have any... I don't have any players to play with. Speaking of, Huberdo is only has five points on the year. Not a great yeah. start for him either. And again, it's only he's only played eight games. Um, but yeah, tough start. Doesn't matter. Kadri's playing fantastic. Kadri's lighting the lamp. That guy's playing well. It doesn't matter Huberdo's struggling. Calgary's playing well. It not winning masks over a lot of stuff. And when Huberdo starts to click, man, the flames are gonna be dangerous. They already are dangerous, but Poor Johnny. You know, sometimes the grass is not always greener, Tim, on the other side. Maybe he should have stayed in Calgary. Uh, they loved him there. They called him Johnny Hockey for Pete's sake. They, they loved him in Calgary. Goes to Columbus. You have a little anonymity. 
dumpy hockey team. All right. The team that's not dumpy, my former team, team that many thought was a couple years away. They have the pieces. One of the deepest prospects pools in the NHL, Buffalo Sabres. Their future captain, in my eyes. They gave the captaincy to Kyle Posa this year. I get it. One of the longest tenured guys. He's the oldest. He has the experience. He's on an expiring contract. Tage Thompson, Tim. Six foot seven mountain of a man. You know, I love my captains tall. This guy's got earmarked team captain, team Canada captain. This guy's going to do it all. He had six points two nights ago, Tim, when they played the Detroit Red Wings. Three goals, three assists, an amazing game. They're second in the Atlantic. Is this the year? Is this the year? They've toyed with us before. They start off hot. Their first 19 games are 15, 2 and 2. First 10 games are 9 and 1. Next 62 games, they're 20 and 42. Is this the year that the Sabres figure it out? They don't falter in December and January, and they finally make the playoffs, buck the trend. I think it's been how many years since they've made the playoffs? I want to say 15. I was going to say seven. Yeah. It's been a long time since they've made the playoffs. Is this the year that the Sabres just finally just have a whole complete season, 82 games? I hope so. I hope so. I mean, what a game that was. I watched this one too. And I, I picked the Sabres, by the way, um, on Bet US. And yeah, they looked really good. Kate Thompson, six points. That's insane, including the, the highlight real goal. I think it was his, his, his third goal, just that. That back and forth, Deacon left to right, uh, beautiful. You can see Rasmus Dahlin reacting in the background. Just a great, great start for this team. I do think there's something here. And what's cool is like we spent so much time, not just us, but all of the hockey verses, like the the Ducks and the Red Wings and the Senators and all these like up and coming teams. And the Sabres have leapfrogged everybody. They were further behind and now they're ahead of those teams in the course of again, just 10 games. But, yeah, they look really good. The part that makes me nervous, I think, because I think their roster is underrated, especially the, the chemistry and, like, just the swag that, that they have right now. The goaltending just still makes me nervous. As good as Craig your time. Been. No. Hey, he's it's a long season, John. He's 41 years old or something like that. Eric Comrie is not very good. And so, yeah, Anderson 3-0 with incredible stats, 1.66, 946. But – what what's it going to look like in March? You know what I mean. I don't know. That's the part that just. I think I think the offense can be there. I think this team will falter, but I think they'll they're better um, than maybe we thought they were. But the goaltending still, yeah, it makes me nervous. It does. Yeah, I know. I love Craig Anderson, but yeah, if if they have one Achilles heel, it's it's the back end. It's between the pipes. But when you look at this team, you you can't help but just realize how there are two major trades in the last four or five years, has helped set this franchise up for success. And they've had, had other big trades. Don't don't get me wrong. That's why their their depth is so good and their prospects are so great. They, they've gotten rid of Ristolainen. They've gotten rid of Reinhardt. They traded Zadorov. They Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall. All of these guys, has they've gotten a lot of high-end draft picks. They've got a lot of prospects. So all of those picks are still waiting in the wings. But the ones that make that are making impacts right now are the Ryan O'Reilly trade and the Jack Eichel trade. Ryan O'Reilly, they get Berglund. Didn't really work out, had some mental issues, just didn't. I think he played one season where it was just, he wasn't in it, played 12 games or something. Sabotka, again, didn't work out, got injured his first game 
His second season, never stepped on the ace again. The gem of that trade, Tage Thompson. Massive return. Early early results from that trade, obviously. Ryan O'Reilly goes to St. Louis, wins the Stanley Cup. The next year plays well. St. Louis is a competitive team. All of a sudden, two, three, four years. That's why it takes a long time to grade a trade. This trade is slowly starting to tip towards the even mark. Ryan O'Reilly still playing well. How how bad would St. Louis want a six foot seven stud putting up six points a game? I think he had sixty seven last year in seventy some games. How bad does St. Louis want a guy like that in their roster who's only twenty three years old? Like those guys Is are that hard right? To He's twenty three. Yeah. Wow. Well, how old is he? Maybe I'm maybe I'm speaking twenty five. Tage Thompson. It's twenty five. Excuse me, twenty five. How how bad so, would you want a guy who's twenty five? Yeah, putting those kind of stats on the board. So it, it's slowly starting to tip towards the Sabers, you know, side a little bit. And then you go to the Jack Eichel trade. They get Tuck. They get Krebs. They get a, a first rounder who hasn't played yet, but early returns. He's a small little water bug out there. Plays in first first uh, elite league in Sweden, doing okay. But Tuck. He's been great. Buffalo guy coming home, played great. I think he had more points than Eichel last year, which wasn't saying much. Eichel didn't play much, but he has played great ever since he's thrown on the Sabre sweater. Krebs, first-round draft pick for the Vegas Golden Knights. Underwhelming, but he's still there. He's playing, what is he on there, third line, fourth line? He's doing okay. He's not getting much ice time. He's playing with Gergeson and Rasmus Absalon. Good for him. I like the Sabres. I like what they're doing. They're not trying to outscore people. They're playing good, solid hockey. Their back end is their strength. Rosmus Dahlin's having a great season. First overall pick, Owen Powers, having a great season. Everybody's playing solid hockey. They're years ahead of their rebuild, Tim. Years ahead of their rebuild. Do they go for it? I don't think they do. I think they're smart. I think they just take the experience, and away we go. Don Granado's got him playing well. Kevin Adams, everybody thought he was insane. Oh, you didn't get enough right. Go. What are we doing here? You're an idiot, Adams. I like the Sabres, Tim. I, I really, really like them. I think I, I, I changed my pick. I said Detroit has the brightest future. I think the Sabres do. I, I, gosh, based on this season, they look really good. And so does Detroit, friend of the show, Mo Sider. But man, the Sabres, they are, they are turning heads. They're in a very competitive Atlantic division and they look solid. Wow. I think they make the they make the playoffs. I do. I think the drought is over. I think they're in. I think Boston's in. Oh man, who's out? Florida? Tampa? Toronto? I don't know, Tim. All of a sudden there is gonna be a good team missing the playoffs. Do you like uh the Sabres to make the playoffs over the, the Devils? Yes. Right now. Yes, I do. But I do think it'll be like last year where it's just four and four. There's not a, not a team snaking a wild card from the other division. So I think there'll be four teams from the Metro, four teams from the Atlantic. I think it's Boston, Buffalo, and the next two are up for grabs. It's going to be Montreal, Tampa, Florida. There will be a good team. Like I said, I, I don't think Tampa makes it. I don't think Tampa makes it. I think I think this is their year. The bubble's going to pop for them. All right, what are we doing now? Let's talk about gambling because <laughs> I went <laughs> – I went three for three on my picks on Monday. I picked I the Sabres. That. I picked the Kings on the road. I forget the third team that I picked, but I went three for three. I won a little bit of money. I am feeling good about it. The problem is there are only two games tonight. And so you got the Leafs Flyers is the one that everyone's talking about. The Leafs lost a close game or the Flyers lost a close game last night. 
the least desperately need to get back in the W column. This is the game to definitely pay attention to. What are you thinking about tonight? Well, the Flyers have lost two in a row in overtime. So it's not like they're getting blown out. They're still playing good hockey, and they lost to the Rangers. Rangers are a great team. Shesterkin is a fantastic goalie. Leafs are just a mental case right now. Keith is expecting to be fired any second now. So he's just panicking. And when you have a coach who's not secure and he's panicking, he will make mistakes. He's going to jumble the lines. Was Willie Nylander still going to be a center for the third line, which is a huge mistake? How is the relationship between he, him and Marner happening? I don't know. Is he just going to play Marner 30 minutes and say, I'm sorry, Mitch, for sitting you down. I mean, it was a mistake. So I'm taking the Flyers. I think I'm, I'm taking the Flyers. They're the underdog for some strange reason on BetUS right now. The Flyers are the underdog. I'm taking the Flyers. I'm taking the Sabres, who are also an underdog for some odd reason. I'm taking the Sabres. I'm taking the over for both because they got burned last week because I took the under. And all of a sudden, the Sabres decided to explode for eight goals, ruin my under call. And then I'm just taking a parlay for all four. I don't care if it's only two games. I got five bets on the go. I got the Uh. Sabres. I got the Flyers, I got the over for both games, and I got the parlay with all four of those wrapped up in the middle. So I, I am just, I'm on a losing streak, and instead of just holding back and taking it easy and just dipping my toe in, I'm going I'm going for it all. I want to get all my money back that I lost and get, get those good feelings going. But you, on the other hand, you got your win, and now you're going to oh, I'm just going to bet well, one little one here. How can you pick the over when the Leafs are struggling and are playing a Tortorella defense and elite Carter Hart after they just played really tight games against two really good teams? Like This, this screams under to me. Then take the under. Every time I'm I've taken to. the under, I've lost. That's why. Every <laughs> time I go under, I just lose. So I'm taking the over. I think the Leafs and Flyers are going to go for 10 goals. It's going to be 6-4 Flyers. Then the other game, I don't know. They're the Sabres. They're going to score 12. They've been scoring at will lately. I need to get a win. I need to. I I think the Leafs are going to win tonight. I want to pick the Leafs and the under. I think it'll be close, 3-2, 3-1. But, yeah, I think the Leafs will get back in the column. Just enough to take the, the pressure off them for a few days and just really stretch and lengthen out this – torture and torment of a season for them and so they'll 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 win i think it would be too convenient for us for them to lose again tonight it would just be too good of a story they're not going to give it to us no they're gonna they're gonna lose and it's gonna be great keith's gonna scream he's gonna sit down (laughs) matthews and matthews is gonna say i'm not resigning and it's gonna be fantastic then we're gonna have three three weeks of stuff to talk about but yes get in on the action everybody tim and i are playing you should play too so go to bet us Sign up today, you get a 125% deposit bonus, which means if you deposit $500, you get an extra $750. That's a lot of of money. You're making $750 if you sign up today. If you give $100, you get $125. You you get what you give, baby. So you're getting 125% deposit bonus on BetUS. I enjoy it. I I really enjoy it. I I didn't know how much I was going to enjoy this BetUS, but it's fun. It really is fun. It makes every game exciting. So check it out. Bet US. All right. What are the quick hits today, Tim? Well, the big story yesterday was that the Senators are reportedly for sale. Broken. The story is broken by Sportico. And so just taking it back to early this year, Eugene Melnick died in March. The family took over the business. It's been basically business as usual, but now they are reportedly selling the team. What I found interesting is that there was a report of um, all of the team's valuations. 
And it goes the Leafs, I think, were the highest, just over two billion. And um the average for the league is about one, about a billion, one point oh one, something like that. The Senators, a big Canadian market, was only valued at six hundred and fifty-five million, which I thought was really surprising. I would have thought all the Canadian teams would be in the top ten. I don't know that much about the business of hockey, but that definitely surprised me. Does that number surprise you at all? It's no, their arena is terrible. So they, as much support that they get, uh, Ottawa is the redheaded stepchild in Canada. The arena is in Canada. Nobody likes going there. So no, it doesn't surprise me. They, they've they been, I don't know if they've sold out consistently for a few years back when like Alfie was still there. So it's just, yeah. It if doesn't surprise me. If you've got the money, is this a good investment, do you think, buying that team? I don't know the ins and outs of arena. I, I know they're trying to get an arena built closer to downtown, but I just don't know the logistics of it, the politics behind it. If you could get an owner to get the city to okay an arena closer to Ottawa or even in downtown itself and help the province get the province to pay for some of that, then yeah. Because you look at the other stadiums, arenas around the league, they're right downtown. You look at the valuation of teams like Vancouver and Toronto and Montreal. All those teams have arenas right downtown. It's such a bonus to be able to say, yeah, we're we're downtown. You don't have to drive anywhere. You get off work, you go to the rink, you grab a dinner, a drink. It's a whole night. It makes it so easy. Public transportation gets you there to and from. So yeah, I I, I would I would buy it if I had a spare what, seven hundred million lying around, but that's too bad. Hopefully they don't get any crazy ideas and move them because Ottawa does need the team in Ottawa. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. They were the only original 16 that weren't in the top 10, um, which is surprising. Can you say that again? They're not original six. Canadian. not. Canadian team. Canadian team. A couple more quick hits here. Uh, Injuries. Palat is out with a groin injury out indefinitely, which is the big thing for the Devils because he's been playing pretty well and a big part of their top six. And by the way, the Devils won again last night. Jesper Bratt has points in all 10 games, which is just bananas. I am... All the way on this Jesper Bratt train. Um, Jamie Drysdale, young stud defenseman for Anaheim. He's out for potentially the entire season. And the way their season's going, I would say probably they'll just shut him down, which is too bad. It doesn't have a big impact on the season, but he's a player who's on the come up. And, you know, that's a that's a hit to, to take. And then um, you have Mitch Marner. You get in a little heat. A lot of people agree. A lot of people disagree. And But you're standing by your statements about what you said about him and, and Keith yesterday. Yeah, what, where am I getting heat? A lot. Of, well, Leafs fans, Leafs fans, the typical the stuff. Fans. You've been punched in the head too many times. Who is Who he? Who cares? To to Why is my opinion not worth everybody else's? I don't understand that argument. I don't, I don't get. It doesn't make any sense. Oh, because I got, I made it to the NHL and I was a fighter. All of a sudden, my opinion isn't valuable. But some Joe Blow who watches hockey for his whole life has a better, I don't know, whatever. I I had, okay, if my opinion is not worth it, why am I getting text messages from NHL former players, Stanley Cup winners, all-star, all-star caliber players saying, good take, that was funny, but spot on. I I wish I could say who because I don't want to get them in hot water. They're still involved in hockey. Why am I getting those types of comments? Guys in the league text me, say, hey, I like that take. That's good. Nailed it. 
Why? Why, Tim? I told you right. It was you want you want yeah. to out, but I I don't want to because then he'll get some slack. But yeah, it was a the, perfectly fine thing to say. Marner was a baby. He's got to like sack up. And then I saw one guy. Well, what if he would have scored in overtime? Cares? He's still a baby. He's a talented hockey player. I'm not taking away from his talent. He's got to change his mindset. Got to grow up, Peter Pan. You know, let's go. The best part of the video was you big, stupid baby. <laughs> well, I don't want to swear. I, I have taken all cuss words out of my vocabulary. It's just, ne- it's not necessary. And I was just struggling with something to say. You big, stupid baby. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What else? One hey, more before we, Let's get before we wrap up. Yeah. Uh, you offered me a trade in fantasy hockey this morning. Would you like to read it out to the listeners? Would you tell them what it was? I forgot what it was. <laughs> I forgot. Okay, you said you, you wanted a defenseman. Me, I need defenseman. Yep. I need a defenseman. Yeah. I'm, I'm solving that problem. Shea Theodore and Stud. Noah Dobson. Great. For David Pasternak. Two for one. I'm giving you two defensemen. You said you want defensemen. I don't know what else you want me to do. I'll give you Tori uh, Crew. No, thank you. But thank you. You but put no, pasta you. on my team. I am unstoppable. Unstoppable. Yeah, well, uh, you have a good team. Jason Robertson. Yeah. Why Why is we still not talking about him? He's so good. He's so good. He's got 13 points, five goals, eight assists, 10 games. The guy is unbelievable. He's very good. But, yeah, give me him. I'll, I'll give you uh, I'll give you <laughs> give defenseman. Him to me. I want him. I I'll want give him. you a defenseman and Brian Rust. And McDavid. I'll give you a pasta and someone for McDavid. Okay. All right, we'll talk. Let's, Let's talk off air. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate all the support. Go give us a nice little like or a comment. And our, uh, where do we get these podcasts? Apple? Yeah. Everywhere. 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 Whatever. Don't even do it. Just, just enjoy the show. We'll talk to you guys on Friday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.